0: Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself. RichardEllisTalks.com But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's
1: Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Dirty Dancing. I want to start out with this thing of dirty dancing and maybe talk about some good dancing. And by the way, the Bible's full of good dancing. And I know this isn't, you know, didn't go over big years ago, but I mean, there's plenty of verses I can give you scripture. There's a right way to dance, there's a wrong way to dance, a right reason to dance, a wrong reason to dance but there's one I'm gonna start with in Exodus chapter 32. And the story here is where Moses has gone up and we don't have time to read the whole thing. But if you read in Exodus chapter 31, Moses he has got these people out of Egypt and they're out in the desert basically. And Moses goes up in the mountain to get the 10 commandments. And he's up there and while he's up there, God's talking to him and telling him all these things and he's gonna make a covenant between he and God. And verse 18, it says, and when he had made an end, this is chapter 31, and when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now, that's pretty impressive if you you know, God cuts out these stones, writes in them and hands them to you. Pretty awesome deal. Then chapter 32, verse one says this, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, They gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And let me just stop here and say what got him into trouble, basically. Moses said, I'm going up to talk to God. And that's how things worked back then. He went, they were supposed to wait. He had been gone many days, I think it was 40 days. Moses goes up there, spends time with God and the people gave up. And I know I hit this theme repeatedly and it's certain categories, but I'm going to hit it again today. And whatever it is, if God has said, wait or no, don't go. And some of you and I talk to people every day, week after week, and they get antsy. They get anxious. They're going to do something. My husband's not changing. I'm going to divorce him. My wife's not changing. I'm going to leave her. It's not going to work out. We're going to separate. I mean, it's just these decisions that are made, and God says, wait, be patient. Let me work out this situation. Don't do something rash. And when you jump the gun, you're going to end up getting in more trouble than you're in anyway. I mean, I hear stories of... You know, women who are men on both sides. I know of one in particular where a woman's kind of looking for a relationship. She meets a man. He's been separated from his wife for a while, but he's still married. They start seeing each other. They're just friends. Well, it's all very innocent. She's lonely. He's lonely. They're going to, you know, maybe he's going to get back together with his wife. Maybe not. And then over time, it, you just slide down this hill and you end up together and go, how did this happen? And it creates more tragedy, because now the guy's not only working on his marriage, the wife that he's separated from with kids and all that, now he's gotten himself entangled on the other side somewhere. And if he had stuck to his gun, stayed, waited, worked on the right relationship with his wife, then he wouldn't gotten in this mess. And you guys think, well, it'll be okay. My mentor, Claude, was in town this last week, and we were having some Bible study time, and the word rationalize came up. Do you know what the two root words of that where you get the word rationalize? Rational lies. <laughs> and you say, oh, well, it's going to be okay. And this it's different. Our situation is different. And I know what's going to happen here. And God didn't do this. And I'm sure it'll be okay. And you're just telling you and everybody else rational lies. Trying to make the thing work out. Moses is up there and if you track the story what we just read Moses is up there with 10 commandments he got what he went after he's had this great time with God everything's great he's about to come down and right when things are about to break through for these people they give up chapter 32 again so the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain they gathered together to Aaron They said we want a new leader we want new gods we're done with Moses we're done with God we give up on him and we do this guys God didn't come through in our time, our way, so we go find new leadership and we go find new gods to serve, somebody else to follow and take care of us. I mean, some people, it's in Shreveport. All the gamblers laughed. You know, everybody's got a way to fix it, right? Say, oh, I would never go to Shreveport. I just get mine at 7-Eleven. You know, you're broke. You're not going to trust God for it. You're going to spend money buying lottery tickets. thinking you're going to hit the jackpot. I didn't think I'd get much reaction from that, because y'all are rationalizing that one too, probably. Well, I told God I'd give him 20% of all that I win. So they said, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. They acknowledged that Moses had gotten him there, but they're going to ditch Moses. And Aaron said to them, Well, break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Now, if you got trouble with your kids wearing pierced everything, they were doing it back then too, so don't worry about it. Because he said, Go get the earrings in your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off their golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molten calf. You say, well, those silly people, they had God to serve. Why would they make a calf and look at a calf and give their life to a calf? It's a good question. Why are you doing it in your life? See, you let GM mold your calf and then you build this room for it. I didn't think that'd go over big anyway. (laughs) It's not a calf, it's a Bronco, right? (laughs) Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. That God didn't do anything. He's not even a God. It's just a molded calf. But isn't it amazing how fast we'll turn to anything, anybody, to not have to have faith and look to God who we can't see maybe, and we haven't heard exactly something yet, but we give up. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It was a party. Now guys, it wasn't a good party. Literally all hell broke loose because they cast off restraint. They just went wild. They went crazy. And the Lord said to Moses, now Moses isn't off the mountain. He's got the 10 commandments. It's a done deal. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down, not in that sense of the word, For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molten calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now Moses isn't there, but God sees everything and is relaying it to Moses. You think you're doing something God doesn't see? He sees everything that goes on. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, well, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, this is Moses talking to God. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land I have spoken of, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. He was about to wipe them out. And because Moses interceded on behalf of the people, God stayed his hand. Verse 15, And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hands. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, Joshua was up there with Moses, Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is noise of war in the camp. This party was so out of hand, it sounded like battle had broken out. It was war. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And it was dirty dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Now imagine... How hot you've got to be to be carrying tablets of stone carved out of the rock by God, written on by the hand of God. And you walk down and see this and you literally throw down something that God has written because you're so upset. And if you keep reading what happened there, he throws the tablets down. He took the calf, which they had made. He burned it in the fire. He ground it to powder and he scattered it on the water. And he made the children of Israel drink the water. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? And you look at this, he basically draws a line in the sand and says, whoever's with me, come on this side. And a lot of people died that day. Now, see when the party's rolling, nobody's thinking about consequence. Nobody's thinking about what's gonna happen later. And I don't even have to go out of this room, guys. There are enough of you in here who have seen God speak to you, provide for you, watch out for you, guide you, Answer your prayers. And it seems that we get rocking. Everything's great. God's spoken in the past. He's delivered from so much stuff. We get in a bind and He says, wait. And we say, but God, I'm tired of waiting. I gotta do something. I gotta see something happen. I can't take this anymore. I'm lonely. I can't take this anymore. I'm mad. I gotta take the matters into my own hands. Something's gotta happen. You're taking too long, God. Maybe you're in a church and you're getting upset. If God tells you to be in a church, stay in that church till you get permission to leave and stop yakking about the pastor and the leadership and pray for them. And if he moves you, then he moves you in a positive way, not a negative way. Just because things aren't going your way and you don't like what's happening, you pray you're there for a reason. It may be to intercede on behalf of those people. Too many people playing musical churches out there. Something goes wrong and you bolt. God's put you in a place and put you under some leadership for a reason. Pray for them but don't give up on God so fast because he's provided. And some of you are on the verge of ditching. And I have people that come to my mind that I've known for years and I watch them. I watch them grow. I watch them do the right thing, go through the right steps. They're growing, going, going, going. And one day, one night, one situation, one party, one wrong step, and it goes down the tubes and then they have to rebuild. I walked in here today. There's a building across the street from this building that was here for years. And in a matter of weeks, if you remember watching this building come down, it came down like that. Let me tell you something. It didn't go up like that. And things in life that are worthwhile take time to build, but can be lost in a matter of seconds. You can spend 30 years building a marriage and destroy it in literally seconds in the wrong place with the wrong person. The trust that's destroyed, the relationship that's destroyed, it's just not worth it. Don't give up on God because he has come through, he will come through, and you've just got to wait on him and trust that that's the case. Now, almost as an aside here, I'm going to skip forward to chapter 33, and you can read chapter 32 and get all the details at home if you'd like. But something very interesting happened in chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying your sentence. So he tells them to go, And then in chapter 34, the first verse, he says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Now, guys, I don't want to stretch this too far, but I've had this on my brain for a couple of weeks reading this, and I keep going back and forth to 31, 32, to 34. Moses went up the mountain the first time. God cut out the tablets. He did that work. And God wrote on the tablets. He did that work. Moses went down the mountain, threw them down, and broke them. The second time Moses went back to the mountain, he said, All right, you cut out the tablets. It's going to get tougher the next time. It is better to obey and hold on the first time because you add consequence every time you ditch and sin. Am I right? You say, well, God's merciful, he'll take me back. But I'm going to tell you what, guys, you add debris. And now Moses is not going back up to the mountain just to get two more tablets. He's got to cut out some tablets and then present them to God and say, okay, write on these. They're like the first two that I broke. It's going to take you more time if you disobey the first time. It's not that God won't take you back, but you're going to find yourself doing more work by disobeying than you would have done if you had just obeyed the first time. Does it make sense? Do the right thing. Now, there's another place in the New Testament that I'll share with you really quickly out of Matthew chapter 14. And if there's any dirty dancing in the Bible, this is it. This got somebody killed. And It's about Herod the Tetrarch. He heard the report about Jesus, Matthew 14, and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although there was a bad relationship, man, this sex thing and relationships, it's all in the Bible, gets people in more trouble than anything I've ever seen. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Herodias, who's having this wrong relationship, says, you know what? And I'm telling you what, it's not just a woman scorn anybody. You confront someone, even in a loving way, and say, you know what? You're out of line. And you make them mad, you better watch your back. Because they will do anything to take you out. When someone is confronted with their sin, if they don't do the right thing, Even if you confront them in the right way, they are going to come after you. You better watch and pray. So Herodias sends her daughter, who's probably this, you know, why didn't she get out there and dance? She says, I'll send my daughter this sweet, you know, young thing. We'll let her get out there and dance. And they're all drinking, having a good time. And she'll wow Herod, and I'll get what I want. So Herodias now involves her daughter in this plot to get John the Baptist killed. So she goes out and dances. Verse seven, therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Now that's some dirty dancing right there. And I don't want to jump too far on this, but there's places in town for women and men, but there is something that happens if you cross a line. You send women into some strip joint, you send men into some strip joint, and you lose your mind. Men who don't have money to buy food for their own family, pay their own bills, passing out $100 bills to some girl who's dancing. You say, oh, that didn't happen. Well, you've had your head in the ground somewhere then because it's going on all day, all over the world. And you need to pray for your husbands. You know, there are women out there now who will take men to strip clubs on sales calls. You know about that? They're smart. These girls trying to sell something will load a carload of guys up, take them to lunch trying to sell them something, and they'll end up at the men's club. It's a gentleman's club, of course and take them in. Now these men are so caught off guard and so sucked into what's going on, they're so thrown that she closes the deal because they're so embarrassed that they've gotten there and gotten in this fix that she's got them. You see, people say, well, I don't want to talk about that. You better think about it and talk about it and pray for your husbands and your sons and your boyfriends because it's a reality and it's going on every day. And I have too many conversations and there's too much stuff in the world nowadays. We just deny it's going on and stick our head in the sand and don't want to talk about it. You have friends, coworkers getting clobbered with this and their lives being taken from it. So she gets up and dances. The king promises whatever she wants. And it's amazing what it'll cost you. So she, having been prompted by her mother, now think about this. Mom's thought this through. I'll get my daughter out there. I know she can dance. And I know what she'll do, what she'll incite, because he's already, the king's already involved in some illicit affair anyway. So his mind's going this way anyway. sees this young girl, gets all stirred up, says, I'll give you whatever you want up to half the kingdom. And she's already been prompted by her mother. You know, he might ask you, he might make an offer, something if you want a gift. This is what you tell him. Now, some young girl's involved in this murder plot. Having been prompted by her mother, she said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Now, how do you get a teenager? What happens in a family where a teenager could even ask for such a thing. I want John the Baptist's head right here on a platter. And the king was sorry. He realized what he had done. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. All over what? Some dirty dancing. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now John lost his head, but I believe he got it back. Now there's one other place in Luke 15, and this is where the hope is, one of my favorite places in the whole scripture. Luke 15 has the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, the lost son, the prodigal son, some call him, left home, decided to come back, it spent everything. And in Luke chapter 21, The prodigal son says to his dad, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. And if you want to read the whole chapter, guys, I'm going to tell you what, nobody can out-party God. There's too many sober Christians on the planet. There's too many people out there getting drunk on alcohol, but there's too few Christians getting drunk on Jesus and drunk on the spirit or there's no way to explain your behavior but that God's doing it and something's alive in you. But the father here says, let's eat and be merry. We are going to have a party. My son is home. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. I think churches ought to throw parties every time somebody gets saved. Party Friday night. We got three this week. Be there. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And I've said before, I know how you're away from a house and you hear music, but I don't know how you hear, you know, dancing. Something was going on in that house. They were having a party. And I know people that are very conservative and everything, but you get them in a party, get a little, you know, six-pack or so in them, man, they are loose. (laughs) They'll dance, jump over couches. There's a whole other person. <laughs> Make an absolute fool of themselves. For what? But I've also seen some believers who get filled with the Holy Spirit and love in a way that nobody can explain and cannot contain the joy and the power and the presence of God in them. You say, well, I don't know. I can't imagine what you're talking about. Well, maybe you ought to look into it. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. And before we leave, if you want some other stuff to look up, look at Psalm 30, verse 11. Read all of Psalm 149, all of Psalm 150, and Ecclesiastes 3, 4. There's plenty of dancing in the Bible. There's plenty of dancing, by the way, associated with Worship. Guys, I don't know a lot about this because I wasn't raised this way either, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you get in the presence of God in a worship service where He is there and you are filled with the Holy Spirit and there is joy in your life, you will have a hard time being still. I've seen people in concerts raising their hands and singing and rocking and moshing and doing all kinds of stuff. Body surfing over a crowd, they lose control for what? For some band and some music. And then you get in a room and people start singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Worship him. I mean, just stuff, you shouldn't be able to contain yourself. It's gonna make you move, it's gonna change your life. Richard will be back in
0: a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I wanna share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest, real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show.
1: All right, let's pray. And our Father, I thank you so much for your word and where the world can take things and twist them and things become a disaster, Lord. Even when we as believers give up, we end up in some terrible places doing some terrible things. But Lord, there are so many examples of the negative, but there are so many examples of the positive as well. When we do it your way, Father, and I pray for anybody who doesn't know you, especially today, Lord people who don't know this joy, and maybe they've gauged becoming a Christian by the sober Christians they've encountered. They say, well, that's just a religious person. I don't want what they've got. I'm miserable enough as it is without adding God to it. Father, give them some examples of Christians who have joy, who have a reason to live, who have not just eternal life, but abundant life. And it's obvious in their lives. Not that we all have to be... Dizzy jumping up and down all the time, Lord. But there ought to be something even different in our eyes as Christians. There ought to be a power in our life that, in the midst of adversity and challenges and situations in our life, Lord, that there's nothing we can do to stop it. It just overflows, oozes out of us, and everyone around us sees it. May we always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us, Lord. May it be that obvious. Lord, for anybody who doesn't know you personally, doesn't know what this is about, I pray today they'd say, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. I realize I've sinned. I'm wrong, you're right. I've screwed up, I need forgiveness. I can't carry this anymore by myself. I believe that Jesus is God and a man. He came from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to purchase a place for me in heaven. And I know it's a free gift and I reach out the hands of my heart, God, and I accept this gift. I ask you to come live in me and through me to change my heart, my mind, my life, And then use my life, Father, to change the world for your honor and for your glory. And give me a reason, Lord, to dance, a reason to sing, a reason to live. And may it be obvious to those around us. Lord, use us this day to be salt and light to the world around us and in the world around us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks, we really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6Richard or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us, richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.